Are you ready for something more, better, or different? Have you been looking for more success in your life? Here is your opportunity. Dr. Young's show, Transformation for Success, will help you discover a future for change with possibility thinking, new vision, and creative solutions to impact a more fulfilling lifestyle. Dr. Barbara is an accomplished leader and change guru who is passionate about helping others to gain the triumphs and successes that lie ahead. She brings you up close and personal with interviews from successful experts, corporate leaders, sports figures, entertainment personalities, coaches, thought leaders, and authors who dare to dream, take risks, and gain success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, welcome. It's Transformational Tuesday with Dr. Barbara Young. Hello, hello, hello to all of you out there, my international, national, and local listeners, wherever you are. We're broadcasting live, and we're now syndicated on the Business and Influencers channels. This show is also syndicated on podcast formats, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And you can now access the show on your smart home devices. Do share with your friends and colleagues, and you can access my website to download any of these shows on these podcast formats, drbarbaryoung.com. So listen, I want you to keep those cards and letters and emails coming every week at info at transformationforsuccess.com. If you're international, you can always Skype me at Young with your feedback. We enjoy and welcome your emails and comments every week. Also, check out my television online network, Transformation Sex TV, on VoiceAmericaTV.com, because we have a lot of new shows coming up in April. You can access and view them online. Boy, we have an amazing show for you today with Barbara Ruvel, who's a keynote speaker and author. Listen, if you have a friend who's lost a loved one to suicide, you're probably wondering, is there anybody there for you? You're not alone. And today we have a woman who's going to share with you her transformational journey. Not only is she going to share it, but her story was featured in an Emmy Award winning documentary, Fatal Mistakes, Families Shattered by Suicide. And it's narrated by Mariette Hartley. So stay tuned. She's going to share this incredible story of how resilience and courage led her to become a champion for professional well-being and pioneering a unique approach to addressing suicide prevention and vicarious trauma. Now, you can call in the show and you can ask questions of Barbara Rubel, or you can email your comments to info at transformationforsuccess.com. So, I want to welcome my guest today, Miss Barbara Rubel. Hi, Barbara. Welcome to Transformation for Success. Hi, Barbara. Nice name. <laughs> nice to have my my named colleague and best friend on the show named Barbara. Now, I'm Barbara Jean. So are you Barbara Ann, Barbara Sue, or Barbara Jean? Neither. I'm a Barbara <laughs> Phyllis. I have no idea what my mother was thinking. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to meet someone that's not a Barbara Ann, Barbara Sue, but Barbara Phyllis. Thank you. And I... So appreciate your being on the show today. It truly is a pleasure. But we have a very sobering topic to talk about. Mm. And we do. 
although we know that death by suicide is tragically common, we as a society are often not great at talking about it, and especially with those who are survivors of suicide loss. So I think because of the taboo uh, that has been, and stigma that's been attached historically to suicide, far too many people feel like they shouldn't bring it up, don't talk about it. But today, Barbara, I'm glad that you're on the show to enlighten the listeners by with your message. So take me back to the day in the hospital when you gave birth, or you were on bed rest, more or less, and you're about yes. to give birth to triplets. Mm. Yes, oh. three baby boys. Oh. Yeah, oh. I was told, I was lying in bed and told that my father ended his life. He was a New York City police officer and used my mother's weapon because she, too, was a New York City cop. And oh, wow. he retired. They kept, he, she kept her, her pistol. And he ended his life. And his suicide note said that he could not take the pain any longer because he had deteriorating discs in his back. And that note, that moment in time, changed the trajectory of my life. My father, this loving man, kills himself right before becoming a grandpa to three little baby boys. How does that happen? Who does that? How do you cope with that? Am I the only one who that's happening to in the world? Do other people grieve the way I grieve? And so it put me on a path of discovery where I went back to school. I got a master's in thanatology, which is the study of death and dying. And my life's work for many years after my dad's suicide was helping other suicide loss survivors. But I wanted to... Well, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt because I wanted to know, how did your story get featured on a documentary? That's interesting. I served on the board of directors, the New Jersey chapter of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and I became very active in other agencies and organizations like the American Association of Suicidology, SPAN, SAVE, and I was out there doing my part as a suicide loss survivor, and so... My story was chosen. I think also perhaps because I was a mother of triplets when my father kills himself. And that story, I hate to say, is a hook, but it does hook people into saying, well, what happened and why did he kill himself? And Mm -hmm. when we open up the question of why, we realize we'll never have any answers as a suicide loss survivor. I've been asking that question for 33 years. But what I would rather ask is, how can we provide support to one another? What are support groups in your area? What books should you read to to provide support? Do we tell the children? I'd like to ask questions that have answers because there are too many survivors out there. Over over, uh, 135 survivors for every one suicide. We're all affected in some way. Well, you know, Barbara, I think... One of the most difficult things, and I'll be candid about it, is if you have a friend or just a, a family member that has uh, had a someone in their family uh, death by suicide, it's what do you say? Because th- certainly this is different uh, when a friend or loved one dies from other causes. But when it's suicide, I think it is it difficult. Did you find that people are able to even just what do you say to a friend that 
uh, that uh, what did people say to you? I guess I'm intrigued by what do you say? Because yeah. every loss is different. And there are no lines yeah. of dialogue that you can just say, well, that you can apply to everybody. Yeah, most people say the wrong thing. So it's okay. best to just simply be present and give the gift of presence, which means show up. When I was a bereavement coordinator for hospice mm-hmm. in New Jersey, I had to attend so many different funerals and wakes. And sometimes, Barbara, I said not a word. I just showed up. And then... Weeks later, I received the most beautiful cards from the family. Thank you for all that you said. We couldn't have got through it because of everything that you said. And I remember I said nothing, but I showed up. So we need to stand in our fear of saying the wrong thing and be present, that gift of presence, the love. Hold the Mm -hmm. hand, sit next to the person, tell them how sorry you are, mirror their tears. It's okay to cry with them, but don't offer advice. Don't tell them why you think it happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the gift of presence and just show up. Barbara, did you at any time uh, or your mother um, feel really angry because suicide in some people's minds is a selfish act? Yeah, uh, that, that when I facilitated a suicide loss support group back in 1994, my God, so mm-hmm. many years ago, and mm-hmm. I remember someone in attendance, one of the group members, it's called Solace, sharing our la- loss after suicide, and someone saying, um, my sister chose to end her life. And another member said, no, they did not choose. There was no choice. It was such a dark place. They couldn't choose. So... Then I, when I was in that video, Fatal Mistakes, um, I remember that I even said my father chose to end his life. But I don't think that they do choose. I think that the despair, the hopelessness, the helplessness, uh, the feeling of, of never being able to be okay is so dark that they don't choose. They don't have a choice, and they just end their life. And we're left with, all those unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all those unanswered questions, that can be so difficult. How did, how did you reconcile this? Um, with, was it because of your previous experiences being a grief counselor? Or were you a grief counselor before this happened, Barbara? No, I wasn't. I had, a, I had a Bachelor of Science degree in psychology from Brooklyn College. No, <laughs> okay. this was ap- afterwards. And I think what put me on this journey is my understanding of strengths, our character traits. And what I'm finding in working with the bereaved and also working with professionals who work with those who are traumatized is that to cope and manage their stressful career or manage loss whether anticipatory loss or traumatic loss, is we need to rely on our character traits, our strengths, and put them into practice and build our resilience. When you know how to build your resilience, you can get over anything. Like right now, we're in the middle of this coronavirus, and people are living in fear. We need to rely on our own personal strengths to manage the stress of that experience. Now, did did you decide after, you know, your father... Um, died by suicide, that you wanted to go back and learn how to deal with this and to help others. Was it something internal that That sort of motivated you? That's exactly right. 
Yes, Barbara, that's exactly right, because we're all touched by loss in some way, and we each of us has a story to tell, so we face losses throughout our lifetime, like I did when I was giving birth to triplets. But today, your listeners will recognize that when they identify their strengths, like I just said, put them into practice, they'll build their resilience, which helps them manage their personal losses and their life challenges. And I remember as I was growing up, my dad and I would walk along the surf of Coney Island in Brooklyn, that's where I grew up, and he'd Mm -hmm. always remind me to keep my eyes downward, Toward the sand, Dad would say, you never know what treasure you'll find. Sea glass, a shark tooth, a perfect shell. So today, many years later, I'm reminded of how I felt with each step in the sand in in anticipation of the treasure I was going to find. So Mm -hmm. although your, your mom, your grandma, relatives, friends, they're no longer with us, they've taught us so much about life and we miss them, and it may be hard to talk about them, but it's God's gift that we remember them and how perhaps they helped us to identify our own character traits. So what strengths did I put into practice as a child? I think about that, thinking about walking along the beach with my dad. I reflect on that, and I think I was relaxed. I was imaginative. I think I was determined, motivated. I was persistent. I was going to find that sea glass. I had faith. I I was grateful. These are strengths. And I believe that our childhood strengths, they usually are brought into our adulthood. The kind of person you were, Barbara, the character traits you had as a child, maybe you were cheerful, you were calm, you were enthusiastic. That's what I hear in this call. You're still that same little girl. So, We focus in on our strengths. So your listeners today can say, ah, I think this is my greatest strength. This is how I can deal and manage my loss and manage the stress and manage my fear. So maybe your listener could focus on how they're identifying a strength. How are they putting into practice? And how are they going to build their personal resilience no matter what challenge they're facing? So that's what I'd love to talk about today. Okay. Well, one of the things, I'll just have a quick question. Um, sure. What did you find out about you? Because th- to me, one of the, one of, I've had other people to talk about um, suicide, death by suicide, and mm-hmm. most of them have talked about anger. They felt anger. Mm-hmm. Their first response was ang- anger. Did you have that first response, yes or no? And then we're mm-hmm. going to take a quick break. No, I did not. Okay. All right. I want to know how you dealt with that. So, because I think how, you know, what did you find? Here's Barbara. You've got triplet boys. You've got to deal with that. That's, you know, managing life, Mm -hmm. life stressors. You've got new babies and you got to deal with your mom. You've got to deal with the death of your dad. That's a big, that's a big, (laughs) that's a big chore, Barbara. So I want to know how you did it. Uh, number one, what did you? What's the one thing that you can say that surfaced immediately when this happened? Mm, just missing my dad, missing okay. him terribly. Mm-hmm. So the first, the the loss of it and missing him. Well, you yeah. know what? Ah. Oh. Thank you for sharing that. We're going to get more in-depth with Barbara Rubel, and we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
So listeners, I want you to stay tuned for Barbara Rubel. Thank you. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Things Worth Considering, featuring host Gord Riddell, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourself, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore what we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to my interview today. My guest is Miss Barbara Rubel, who is a leading thanatologist. She's written a book, which is now in its third edition, but I didn't say goodbye, helping families after suicide. So Barbara, again, thank you for being on the show today, and I appreciate your being so transparent and sharing postvention, which is really the topic that we really want to get into, not prevention, but postvention. Um, what happened that you came up, or how did it uh, happen that you came up with this unique approach of addressing suicide postvention? Mm. Well, at first I created what's called the palette of grief, where okay. I look at um, emotional reactions like rage, guilt, mm-hmm. shock, mm-hmm. Uh, cognitive reactions like a diminished sense of self, searching for culprit, why, the reason, why did my loved one take his life, who's to blame. Um, then I'd look at behavioral reactions, sudden outbursts becoming overprotective because you don't know if another member of your family will try to take his or her life, physical reactions, um, high blood pressure, frequent Mm -hmm. colds, um, spiritual reactions like feeling hopeless or lack of faith, not believing in God anymore. So I started with the palette of grief, looking at emotions, but I moved that again to what strengths are going to keep you okay, okay, where you're going to survive this. And without okay. strength, uh, you'll never get out of bed. You won't be able to get out of bed. So it's important to understand that. And, and just a few moments ago, you asked me about my initial um, feeling, emotion, cognition, mm-hmm. whatever. Right. And it wasn't, it wasn't anger. Um, I think a lot of people are angry because they're so frustrated 
They don't know why. I, I spoke to a mother a few weeks ago who said, my daughter could not have killed herself. She just joined a gym. She was so excited. Or a son, and, and they said, well, he, he could not. He was just graduating from high school. He had two more days to graduate. How, how do you figure this out when it doesn't make any sense? Mm-hmm. So we have to rely on our character traits to manage the unknown. Because sometimes we will never know why. We just won't. And so what I didn't, I, I told you it wasn't anger or rage. For me, it was just missing him, the sadness of, of missing him, him missing seeing his grandchildren. He killed himself three weeks before these babies were born. I was in the hospital. I couldn't attend the funeral. I couldn't attend the wake. I, I was oh, in wow. bed. I couldn't do anything. The, the how, biggest how, problem I had, yes, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, when you were saying all that, how did that impact you? You can't even, you can't have closure. I mean, you not you can't go to the funeral. You can't even no. see him at the graveside or, you know, whatever, if they, if they cremated or whatever. You're not able to be involved in that. How not did, I mean, that, I, Barbara, yeah. this is amazing. That's why rituals are so important. How, how do I know my father's really dead? You tell me he died by suicide, but I have no proof. I didn't attend yeah. a funeral. I, didn't, I wasn't there at the death scene. I wasn't with my mother holding her when she was crying at his graveside or at a wake. I wasn't there wow. with the rituals. Wow. And we need rituals in life because rituals have a beginning and an end. We need our rituals. And, and that's why my greatest strength is love of learning. And that's why I went back to school and got my master's in community health with a concentration in thanatology from Brooklyn College because I needed to learn. My greatest strength is love of learning. What can I learn about thanatology, death, dying, bereavement? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I realized that because my other strength is empathy and compassion and wisdom, I needed to then teach. So I taught classes. I facilitated support groups. I worked at hospice. I had my own private clients. I took my own pain and found what Bob Niemeyer says is meaning making. I found meaning in his loss and his suicide by becoming educated and empowered and then being there for other survivors. Well, I I really do like um, what what you're saying. I love Palette of grief. Did you come up with that terminology? Pal- a palette of grief. I did. I did. And because it was going to be a I, book, but I decided to just do it in my programs because I'm a keynote speaker and trainer. Um, but I also have it, I put it in the back of, but I didn't say goodbye, the third edition uh, with mm-hmm. helping families after a suicide. It's actually in the book now. So people can actually do it. Therapists, counselors. I think, I think over 10,000 people have actually done the palette of grief. And I was thinking about that. Is that an exercise like, uh, here's the palette. Did you experience this? Rage. Yes. Why? Yes, you, you got know, it, and, and you yes. check. You, you sort of go through the checklist. Did you experience this? Rage. That's exactly anger. right. Uh, oh, you're, you're, you're brilliant. Absolutely. And, and you got it. It's right on point. There's a picture of a palette, and everyone's given five different colors, and there's a list of at least 100 emotional reactions, 100 cognitive reactions, now, if you choose red for emotional, put those words down. Blue for cognitive, green for behavioral. And mm-hmm. then when you're done, you have five different colors on your palette. But you know what's interesting? I'll walk around the room during my trainings, and I'll see so much blue. And I'll say, well, what color is that? And that's spiritual reaction. So now, 
if you are a clinician, you know, talk about how life might be meaningless or you notice profound coincidences mm-hmm. or you're hopeless mm-hmm. or you lost your faith. You search for proof of life after death. You focus in on spirituality. It's a great tool for clinicians to immediately right, to see know where to focus. how their client is, is grieving. That's right. It, it's an, I mean, that therapist, social workers, they use it all the time. I'm constantly asked for for copies. But that's why I don't want to deal with that anymore. So I just say, buy the book. Buy, but I didn't say goodbye. <laughs> and you get it for free. Now, how do you how do you draw out, out of the palette of grief? Then we come up with listing your strengths. So how do we segue yeah. into the strengths so that people yes. can know they they have resilience and yes, and, it's and a fabulous principle. It's it's <laughs> F A B U L O U S. I came up with this acronym F is for cognitive flexibility. We need to be, like, let's say you're choosing a strength that could be open-minded or like with me, your love mm-hmm. of learning. When you are cognitively flexible, it, you have to rethink the way you think. So you put character traits into practice by building a resilient mindset, being less rigid, so you can adapt to the loss by suicide or perhaps a work-life challenge. But each of the letters in fabulous like F is for flexibility, A is for attitude, B is for boundaries, U is for understanding satisfaction or job satisfaction, L is for laughter, O is for optimism, U is for united, and S is self-compassion. So I took each of the letters, and then I went into the last five years of research on building resiliency in adults. And I took all the research and I just applied it to each of the eight elements in Fabulous. And then I have attendees in my my trainings and my my keynotes. I have them choose a strength for each one. So let's say laughter. What strength, Barbara, would you take for laughter? Would you say you're funny, you're pleasant, you're playful, you're witty? I mean, there's so many strengths, right? Right. what, what strength would you choose that helps you keep your sense of humor to manage all the stuff in life? The ability to laugh at myself. <laughs> oh, that's correct. So self-deprecating humor. <laughs> yes, that's terrific. But you see, you know that. So when the stressors are overwhelming or you experience a loss or you're going through a really difficult time like this coronavirus and the fears, you will take the L in fabulous, and try to keep some joy in your life. You'll maintain a sense of humor when, you know, things are really, really getting difficult. So that's what the fabulous principle is. So this is some of the, these are some of the ways that you teach families to cope with traumatic loss, is to have them I, I, take a yeah. look, <laughs> okay, at some of the the, the fabulousness, uh, be positive and looking at their emotions and finding out where are you. You have to break it down. So tell me this. How is um, suicide loss different from other losses? Mm. Your suicide loss is sudden. It's traumatic. Mm-hmm. It is uh, stigmatized in our world. Um, and there are so many questions because the act was perpetrated against the self. It is not a, a natural death. It's an unnatural death. And sometimes, in my father's case, it's violent. So when you have all those characteristics of loss, that impacts the way you grieve. My father killed himself. My mom, on the other hand, was 91 years old. 
She was on hospice. Um, I was by her bedside when she passed. Mm-hmm. It was still traumatic to me. I lost my mom. Absolutely. You said your mom's 89 years old. It doesn't matter. It's traumatic. How we define trauma is very personal. But when it is a suicide, it goes, cuts deep into our core. And that's why it is important to understand that you're not alone. There's the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention or the American Association of Suicidology or SPAN or SAVE or other organizations. I I list them in the back of my book. You are not alone in your grief. And especially now, like you're on the radio and webinars, there are so many online resources for survivors. All they have to do is type in in Google or or one of their Yahoo or Bing or wherever they, they... wanted to get online, and type in suicide loss survivors and see what comes up. There are support groups around the United States. There's a lot for them and online as well. There are groups online if you, I mean, some people live in parts of the world where there are no other survivors, or like Mm -hmm. I I talked to Mm -hmm. someone last week, she was in, in, in Texas, and she said her closest suicide loss support group was two hours away. When you're grieving, you can't drive two hours. Right. So that's why there's online, which makes it readily available. Well, I'm glad that you're doing that. What, what really inspired you to write the book, But I Didn't Say Goodbye, Helping Families After Suicide? What, what, what inspired sort of, me was the first edition back in 1999 when oh, wow. I was told, <laughs> yes, it's, it's, a, it's an old book. <laughs> Thank God I just wrote the brand new one a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Yes, the third edition, it was ready. But in 1999, I really felt it was very important to talk about it with children. And so the first book was for kids. This book is not. This book now is for professionals, for adults, for those who want to help families after a suicide. Um, Clinicians can gain great great benefit from it, especially group facilitators, etc. But the first book, it really upset me that so many people said, don't tell your children, keep it a secret. And I felt strongly that we Uh needed to talk about it. We need to keep them age appropriately, developmentally appropriately, but don't lie to kids. Don't, Don't perpetrate that lie. It doesn't, it doesn't work. And in the end, you just re-victimize them when, when they find out the truth. Now, when you wrote that book, was it based on some personal experiences of how you addressed this with your boys about their grandfather? You know what it's based on? The what? first book was based on all the conversations I had in my suicide loss support, support group at the conference oh, I attended, okay. Suicide Law Survivors. It's a comp- it was a compilation because I, I wasn't a grief counselor at the time. I wasn't, um, you know, an educator. I was just a grieving daughter who needed to put a little book together. And it was just a little book of this basically a compilation of all the stories that I heard because I, I wanted families to know that they were not alone, that they were, there's, there's the Dougie Center if you, you need help support with children. There's other organizations out there to, to help you and that there are other survivors going through the same thing. And I didn't want them to make mistakes that people came to me and said, I, I wish I did it differently. So it was a now, book for survivors. Well, you know what? One of the things I'm picking up is that you actually, um, after this, I'm sort of weaving the story here, uh, with the loss of your dad, you made the decision to go to a suicide support group, right? 
Oh, Barbara, the first one I I'm went to was in New Jersey. Karen okay. Dunn Maxim was facilitating it, and she said, as a facilitator, if you do not want to speak, it's okay to just say pass. And in that moment, and because I, I, it was my first group, I was so thankful to God because I didn't have a voice. I was so scared. I didn't even know what to say or how to say it, but I was in the presence of 15 or 20 other survivors. Now, now, years later, I have a voice, and that's important for survivors to know that they don't have to share if they don't want to, but there are groups and people there for them if they ever want to share their story of loss. That's why I'm glad I met. Uh, the reason why I mentioned that, because I know for listeners out there who might be dealing with this issue and you're uh, intimidated or you don't feel comfortable maybe to reach out to a suicide support group, because I know that's a big step. So that's why I brought that out, Barbara, because I think it's so important for those out there. And even if the loss was a year ago or two years ago, it's still important to be able to be with a group of like-minded individuals that have gone through or you're all going through the same thing. And Barbara, I want to commend you because from that, you know, this this woman that I'm imagining with triplets, I mean, I, I can just imagine you've got these babies. This happens. You're in the hospital. You can't even go to the funeral. You can't even have closure. So you go to a support group. And I want to admire you for that because I think so many survivors deal with this by themselves and there is help. So thank you so much for, I just wanted to point that out, <laughs> that you just didn't yeah. get here by osmosis, you actually joined a support group, and from that, look at you today. You wrote that yeah, small and it book. was hard. It's not easy. Not easy I when know. you're grieving. I can imagine. Um, and I'm not sure that I've shared this on air before, but my I lost, I won't say this, my daughter died not from suicide, but she died um, as a result of diabetes, a juvenile diabetic, and she died at age 30 and was on life support mm. for nine days. So mm. I know what it's like to, to have a loss, but I mean, to have her on life support for nine days, and then I had to make the decision mm. to let her go. So mm. this is so good for people to understand a loss is a loss, whether it's by death by suicide or natural causes. Um, as one of the things that I'm intrigued about, and I had shared this earlier on a Facebook group, a Facebook Live group, um, how did you get into thanatology? Mm. Well, I did so <laughs> much reading. Thanatology is. <laughs> <laughs> is the study of death, dying, and bereavement. And when I tell people I'm a thanatologist, they, they're like, wow, that's cool. What is it? And I'll say, well, I'm an expert in death and dying. Then they just look at me like I'm crazy. Um, but I got into it because my greatest strength, going back to what we talked about before, is love of learning. And the more I read about death, dying, bereavement, traumatic loss, I realized that clinicians and social workers, therapists, they don't teach this in school. And so a, a suicide law survivor may go to a clinician for support after a suicide, and the clinician is not well-versed on how to help them. They're working on antiquated models like the Kubler-Ross model. They don't know about 
Warden's theory or Rando's theory or or Catherine Shear's work with complicated mourning. They're not they're not aware because they're in the trenches doing the work, but they don't have the skill. So that's why another part of my career is educating professionals about sudden violent death, especially traumatic bereavement-informed care. It's so important for that grief piece to be addressed and know what to do. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back. Listeners, so stay tuned. We'll be right back with my guest today, Barbara Rubel. Thank you. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Redson. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. We hear just be you a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Alexa smart speakers and connected devices. Hey, Alexa, play Being Here podcast on Apple Podcasts. Try it now. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back to my show today with Barbara Rubel. We're discussing a topic that not many people delight in talking about, but it is something, the reality of life. So, Barbara, again, thank you for being on the show today. One of the things that we were talking about is that, take me back, uh, what people need to know about some of the triggers that uh, you talk mm-hmm. about and share with us. Yeah, you know, the, there's triggers throughout the year. And reminders throughout the year. In my book, um, I, I talk about that. Um, Alex is my dad's name, and I named the, the character in the book who is narrating the book. Um, Alex says, I'm always reminded of my dad at some point in the day. My mom has a lot of grief triggers, too. Mom wrote them all down. Holidays, his birthday, waking up alone the date he died, the smell of his cologne, hearing the favorite song okay. on the radio, watching television, eating meals without him and getting into bed to go to sleep and his not being there. We're all reminded. Now, this Mother's Day is coming up. 
and your daughter is no longer here. So you will be reminded that you won't get that call, and it will, in a way, break your heart, and you'll remember her and create a ritual, but it's triggers and reminders that keep our loved ones always in our heart, but our heart breaks with each trigger. Mm-hmm. So true. Not easy. Yeah. It is really, really hard, but we need to recognize reminders. Uh, my dad loved to make tomatoes and onions and cut them up with olive oil and salt and balsamic vinegar. And whenever I make that little Italian salad, I hold it up to heaven and go, Dad, look what I'm eating. It reminds me of him. And I think we need to recognize that triggers could sometimes hurt if we're getting into a vehicle and... It's our loved one's car. They, we used to sit next to him or her, and now we're mm-hmm. driving that vehicle because he or she left it to us. Um, we're triggered every time we get in the car. But reminders can be gentle reminders that our loved ones will stay with us until we die. And even afterwards, they're always a part of us. So, but I didn't say goodbye, helping families after suicide is a child's voice sharing all the things that happen in a family. Oh, from wow. The grief response, the mourning, the, the rituals, and how, because at the end of each chapter, Alex, um, is, he's only 11, but at the end he's 21, and he reflects what happened in the past 10 years and how he talks to his coach and his mom and, and his aunt and his little sister. It's a family. We have to look at suicide as a family approach, a family system. We are not alone. And if you don't have a family, then your friends, your faith community, or even listening to your program today, Barbara, I am sure that you're touching the heart and the spirit of someone who's sitting there crying because they lost a loved one to suicide, and they maybe have never even shared that before. So, you know, it's a real blessing yes. that you're, you're doing this today, that someone out there who may never call in, who may never buy, but I didn't say goodbye, but they know, wow, I'm not alone. And that's what you did today. So thank you for the opportunity to do that. I, I'm, I'm well, very thank appreciative. You. I thank you. You know, Barbara, one of the things, too, I thought the inverted version is, do you also help people on what to say to someone who is grieving the loss of a loved one because of death by suicide? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then, mm-hmm. and then be quiet and listen to what they say, because very often the person will say, it's all my fault. I should have known. Well, you can't say, no, it's not your fault. You don't know. But all, you don't know the particular. So what you can say is, I hear you. This is very hard for you. I'm so sorry you're going through this. Wow. That's all you could say. That's true. Was there, was yeah. there anything that you wished many people had said to you when you reflect on your experience with the loss of your dad? Well, I'll tell you what one professional said to me. I was doing a keynote for about a 1,000 people. They were all clinicians, and I was done with the presentation, and people were clapping, and I still had my lavalier mic on, and I was on stage. A woman came onto the stage, and I was like, well, nobody comes up to meet the keynote. Usually, I go down and shake hands. She came onto the stage, and into my lavalier mic, she said, Barbara, that was, that was great, great keynote, but you do know your father's in hell. What? What, what? Yeah. 
Well, because they were all Christians. Oh, because of social the, all this thing about the narrative about if you commit suicide, you go to hell. Yes. Where does that yes. come from? Oh. Well, oh. well, she believed that, and she needed to tell me that. But the problem was, afterwards, every single compassionate, empathetic clinician, social worker, therapist, psychiatrist needed to stop me and tell me my father was not in hell. So after, like, 50 people, I was like, enough. I know he's not in hell. Please. I can't hear it anymore. <laughs> it, they were so compassionate. But people have their belief system. So if, if, yes, if, you, they do. if your loved one dies by suicide, they are... They will need to come up to you and tell you their opinion. And you need to be strong. You need to be strong. I needed to be strong in that because that really affected me. I didn't need that. I know that my father was a loving, was a good man. I remember him kindly with love. I'm so sad that he ended his life and he did not get a chance to see his, his grandsons. But I know that spiritually we are still connected I found meaning in his life, in his loss. I've done something with it. I wrote a book. I'm, I have a website. I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm doing what I can to help others. And we are not alone. You're with you and your daughter, me and my dad. It doesn't matter that it's a, a suicide or, or, or because of, of diabetes. We experienced a great tragedy. And we get an opportunity because of this radio program to share it with others who may not have that voice. So what a blessing. Really, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Well, thank you. You know, um, I ask many people, I started asking before I had you on the show, uh, what is a thanatologist? Uh, Do you know what a thanatologist (laughs) does? Um, And so um, many people had no idea. So today, I know for the listeners, you have learned what a thanatologist is, and how they can bring a deeper understanding of the phenomena of death and the psychological, not only just the phenomena, but the psychological mechanisms for how to cope with them and to bring personal resilience to you. And I think that's so important. And I really want to thank you for educating because the audience, my listeners today, because many people are shattered, absolutely shattered uh, Mm. by suicide. And there's so much of it occurring, not only just in the United States, but all over the world. So, Barbara, I can't thank you enough. What I want to ask in this little final few minutes we have, what are some of your success stories that you can share where you have worked with a family or you've worked with someone and they've had this remarkable turnaround, and maybe they were really basket cases when you got uh, when they got to you, and you were able to turn them around. What has been some of your success your success stories? Well, I know that I met one woman years ago, and she came up to me and she said, after her 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 um, her child died, or I think it was her son, and she mm-hmm. got involved in the National Alliance for Grieving Children, and she said she serves on their board. Uh, another person got involved with um, lost teams. Um, there, there's, oh, I remember the Jed Foundation. They, people got involved with different organizations because they were in my support group or they met with me privately or they were in my trainings and were grieving. They decided to find out more, get involved, and then take that and help others. I, I Just last week, I spoke to someone, I think it was called the Alliance of Hope, the Suicide Law Survivors, and mm-hmm. what they're doing. I mean, people get involved. They create postvention kits. 
They, they're doing what they can. And that helps me cope with my father's death because I'll say, okay, I'm, I'm in a support group with them. I'm training them. I'm talking with them. I'm helping them heal. And they take that loss and they do something with it. And not just helping one person. They're helping hundreds or thousands of people because of the organizations and agencies that they're getting involved in. So they transform. Like, you know, as you say, transformation takes one step at a time. And I'd add transformation takes one strength at a time. So grab your strength, whatever that is, and bring it forward to help others. It's going to help you in the end. Well, certainly, Barbara, that's what you did. Because the beginning of your journey was really with the death by suicide of your dad that led you to become the keynote speaker the author providing insight to those who need to build their resilience to manage lifetime losses because they will occur with everybody. And I just want to thank you, you know, bringing people into a warm, bright sunlight as opposed to the darkness because many people do not want to deal with the stigma that's historically been attached to suicide. And so I just want to thank you so much again for highlighting this and bringing this to the attention of my listeners. I just wish you continued blessings as you continue to walk in the sun and may love and joy and peace comfort and enfold all of you listeners for the remainder of the week. And I close the show today with this quote, the secret of health for both mind and body is not to mourn for the past Not to worry about the future, but to live in the present moment today, wisely and earnestly. I want to thank you, Barbara, for being on the show again today. And run and not walk to help all those people out there that need help. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you so much for being on the show today. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Barbara Rubel, the great Thanatologist. That's what I'm calling you, the great Thanatologist. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I say, and so keep well, all of you out there, and I'll see you next week. And as I say, I close with this, what my minister always says, Pastor Bishop Charles Blake. I see you in the future, and you look much better than you do right now. So be blessed. Have a great week. I'll see you next Tuesday, same time. Dr. Barbara Young. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 12 noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for replays of the show weekly on the Voice America Business Channel and the Voice America Influencers Channel. Until our next show, Have an outstanding week.